All right, Jim, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today and uh, a bit about McNelly's? Um, yep, so I'm Jim O'Connor. I'm the Chief Operating Officer for the McNelly's Group. We're uh, based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We have 16 brands uh, in 25 locations. Um, we, I joined the company in 2008, and at that time we had three brands um, So, and probably 100 employees. Now, as I said, we have 25 brands, soon to be 26. I'm sorry, 16 brands, soon to be 17, with 25 locations, soon to be 26, and over 1,000 employees. So a lot has changed in the 15 years since I've been with the company. Um, most of our restaurants are in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, but we do have four in Oklahoma City and two in Little Rock. Um, Arkansas, yeah. So, uh, but our, our, our you know, primary footprint really is in the Tulsa market which is Tulsa is the second largest city in Oklahoma. It's in Northeastern Oklahoma. As I was explaining to you, it's you know four hours south of Kansas City, four hours north of Dallas, and about 90 miles northeast of Oklahoma City. So in my role, I, you know, I kind of oversee a little bit of everything. As a company's gotten bigger, I spend a lot of my time in the business operations, yeah. let's go on the restaurant operations, just because as you, as we've grown, there are just so many aspects of the business that we have to be aware of. So in my role, I oversee uh, human resources, marketing. Uh, we have a 401k plan that takes up a lot of my time. We're doing our health insurance renewal. That's a big part of what I do. I also oversee all the insurance. Um, so as you can imagine, when we have all these locations. Insurance becomes a big part of what I have to be involved in. And that's gotten increasingly complicated over the years. Um, yeah, it seems like every year there is an additional um, thing to be concerned about. A couple of years ago, cybersecurity was the big one, you know, making yeah. sure you have a co appropriate coverage on your cybersecurity. And then it was terrorism insurance. Most recently, there's trying to have mass shooting insurance. Oh, wow. Uh, something that, I mean, never thought in a million years you'd have to contemplate having mass shooting insurance. But that is something that is now available to yeah. operate. So, you know, it, it's, you begin to say, okay, how much effort on the insurance side, it's always making sure, do we have the appropriate coverage? Are we underinsured, overinsured? Um, so that can be complicated. And right now, a big, big area for us is, uh, you know, you know, COVID's clearly, it's kind of in the rear window, but we're still yeah. dealing with a lot of the, the stuff that came from that. You know, any, any operator will, is, I'm sure, struggling with, struggling with the, the inflation that's that's been a, yeah. a challenge for anyone in, in this industry and trying to figure out where we can take price increases it's gotten we can't just do what we're doing in 21 and 22 and kind of raising prices as quickly yeah. as to keep up with the our increasing costs so i think that's become a bigger challenge for operators is making sure you when you have to raise prices that you do it in a way where you're not going to annoy customers because i think now they're becoming much more aware of how much prices have increased yeah so that's a huge challenge for us is to make sure we're not getting out of line but we're covering our you know keeping our margins without getting too you know without making uh, the customers you know, too too sensitive totally and you know it's interesting you know the COVID rebound has just been kind of like one enormous challenge 
for every operator. I mean, like I said to you, like before we came on, I mean, I think I've done this like 80 times out of this podcast and it's a lot of like CEOs like yourself, directors of operations, and everyone's kind of coming to terms with like the myriad of different kind of blows, so to speak, that like COVID, the rebound of COVID has done, which obviously inflation of food, sure. you know, but it's like the personnel questions are like people coming back, finding GMs. I feel like I hear GMs is a huge thing as well, constantly. Right. Um, but it seems like it, it would like in sort of the hierarchy of sort of challenges that you've been kind of that you've presenting there in terms of like like inflation insurance yeah. like there wasn't actually a personnel kind of challenge there which is yeah, kind of uh, interesting spring, i mean obviously it's a challenge but you know spring of 21 was definitely the most challenging in terms of uh, personnel um we we had several times where we struggled to open locations because we were so short-staffed yeah and that was a combination of people who had left the industry and people who were unavailable to work because they were sick. Uh, that's rebounded for us. I mean, it's always been a difficult industry in terms of hiring. You never, you never have as many good people as you want. Um, but our core, in terms of our management team and a lot of our backup house, has remained pretty intact. That's it's right. that part that's constantly changing. That you know, some of the front of house employees. Um, We've had more turnover, yeah. but I think we have a good reputation within our community about treating our employees fairly, trying to do as much as possible to create a, the best, uh, you know, customer service industry job in our yeah. markets. So in line with that, we offer health insurance to all of our salaried employees and all of our hourly employees who work yeah. more than 30 hours in a month. Um, I'm sorry, th uh, average working more than 30 hours, uh, can uh, get uh, on our insurance plan too, and we'll cover 50% of it. So that has been, I think, something that has been popular with uh, potential employees and obviously our existing employees to knowing that we can't make that health insurance is accessible. That's yeah. not the case in this industry. Uh, and I'm sure you have a perspective, you know, being from Ireland and now in the States, how health insurance is really important to have in this yeah. country because if something goes wrong it's you can it can be catastrophic totally uh, and i mean like to your point there as well about like you know you're offering health insurance and you spoke about 401ks as the very first thing you mentioned as well earlier when we, when we just started like you're like are these kind of relatively like modern post-covid benefits or were you like offering uh, these before, to like hourly staff yeah. as well hey, uh, those were both available pre-covid yeah uh, the thing that we've actually offered post-COVID, in addition to the 401k, the access to health insurance, dental insurance, uh, we started uh, partnering with BetterHelp to do uh, counseling. Yeah. So we had heard from a number of employees who were, you know, that that the, the t during COVID and the, you know immediately after was really challenging for people. There were a lot of stresses in their lives. You know, work was stressful because um, you know customers could be strange during that time so there are a lot of stresses at work and at home so we had heard from customers i mean i'm sorry from employees who said was there access to any kind of mental health service and so we partnered yeah. with better help um the thought on that was a lot of especially for some of our younger employees the ability to do it via text or via facetime or via phone call was probably they were more amenable to that yeah than going into a traditional office kind of setting to do face-to-face yeah. -face counseling. Um, so we've had that now for two years and we have a, a, a fair number of employees who, who are 
taking advantage of that. So that was us like an additional benefit that yeah. we think and it's not only good for us as the employers, but good for our employees, knowing that uh, our industry is a really stressful industry. Um, totally. Uh, people wow. outside of it don't know how hard it can be when you're working those long hours. Uh, and, you know, customers have very high expectations and they can get annoyed quickly if things aren't exactly how they want them to be. So uh, I think it's been I think it's been good uh, uh, to have that available to them. But, you know, uh, our big thing is, you know, trying to that health insurance is, is, you know, one of our thing biggest differentiators. And it's not it's not inexpensive. And our we're going through our, our renewal right now. It's um, you know the the premiums are rising at an unbelievable rate. Yeah. Um, so that puts additional pressure on us to make sure we're, you know, as on top of all the stuff in the restaurants as possible because our margins, as anyone will tell you, have been compressed dramatically. Yeah. And that's that, one of the that, biggest challenges post COVID now that things were kind of it's settled down, and the commodities have kind of normalized. There are still so there's still so much pressure on our margins and because historically you'd have issues with a few items you know beef would be going up avocado yeah. would go up go crazy or limes a couple of years ago limes like quadrupled in yeah. a couple of months so you'd be aware that like hey keep an eye on these particular products but now it's so pervasive so many things have increased so, um, our to-go costs are really i mean i think they've doubled or tripled since covid uh, yeah, we don't do a lot of to go. Um, that's not a big part of our our business. But at the places where we do, we have three sushi, uh, three sushi restaurants, and a big portion of their business is to go. Uh, man, their supply costs are really hard to get a hold of, uh, and we use a higher. It's a it's a nicer to go packaging for a, for, for that. Yeah. So we really struggle with uh, supply supply costs. It's a, it's interesting. One of the, I definitely hear this a lot, like I say, that like it's become like the running of like hospitality businesses now is yeah, almost like an extremely complicated PL challenge, more so than it's ever been before. That right. like understanding the minutiae of like almost like the costs associated with everything and less the laser. It's almost like there's a demand on laser focus now in a way that before, to your point, like you know, you kind of a beef went up, you would kind of be able to like, okay, it would just be beef, but it feels like everything is kind of, every kind of line item is at risk now and it makes like the planning and running so difficult. Right. So yeah, that's a, for the GMs, their jobs have become, it was always a hard job. I think it's become even harder uh, because uh, there are so many more things that they have to pay attention to. Um, and so we have a pretty extensive budgeting process. So you know, they have to be looking at those budgets almost daily. And like a yeah. week like today where the last week we had a cold streak. It was it doesn't get here. If it's below freezing. It's it usually doesn't last more than a day or two. Yeah. But last week it was down in like you know five to 10 degrees for several days in a row. So that that impacts sales. Yeah. People just don't venture out. Yeah. Ice storm on Sunday night. That's just now kind of clearing out. So that's an additional thing. So having to be constantly aware of those external forces, what's happening in the weather, how that's going to impact staffing. Do I have to, you know, tell people to not come in? And so, yeah, it's a really hard job and it's gotten much harder. Uh, margins are just not what they were. And I don't, I think any operator is going to have that same reaction, you know, to say it's just every, everything's gone up so much. 
Yeah, I mean, and I guess like, you know, to that exact point, you know, like we were saying, like say health insurance is not inexpensive, you know, but at the same time, I suppose the value out of that is that it keeps your employees kind of, yeah. Yeah. I don't say content because it's not like they're content to have it, but it, like in terms of like your churn or your retention of people, like that obviously is a huge opportunity for everybody who works there, like to be able to get it. Cause as you say, it's so expensive otherwise to kind of go without. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's part of the competition for sort of benefits that like I definitely hear across the board now is that people are leaning into like, more and more health insurance things like you guys are. I know you're saying you were doing it beforehand, but like, you know, I've heard of like restaurant groups saying they're rolling it out across all of like, you know, you just have to work there for one month and you get the full access and stuff like that. Or, you know, like 401ks and matching and all these kinds of things. Like I'm hearing this from a lot, a lot of people. And, and it's like, part, of, part of us for us is the, the, the idea that this isn't just a, a short-term job. We view yes. this as a career. And if you want people to treat it like a career, then you have to say, what do other industries do? You know, they offer health insurance, they offer 401ks, uh, they offer access to mental health, you know. Yeah. So that's, and it comes at a cost, but I think ultimately it's beneficial because I think it helps with the retaining the employees, yeah. the good ones, you know, and the ones who understand that, um, you know, I, I, over the years I've gotten so many notes from employees, you know, thanking, our executive team for giving yeah. us access to it because it it helped them a lot. Um, I, I would say I would agree with you. I mean, like at the end of the day, like one of the, like definitely what I hear is like the like sort of like battle for quality employees now is like so hot. Like finding and so really the onus is like on the retention side of it as opposed to discovering the sort of diamonds in the rough because it's so hard and everybody's competing for that person that if you have that person already or have a form of that person that it's like trying to like keep them and to your point making them aware that like there's a career here for them i think like and definitely the fact that you're saying that and able to articulate that like i definitely feel like what cuts the difference between companies that are like yourselves like very successful and growing in lots of locations, you know, versus those that don't is really an emphasis on like making the people kind of better because like, you know, I had somebody on the podcast recently and they do like arcades and food and they're like 200 locations. And he's like, there's nothing patentable about what we offer. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like it's like hate food, anybody can create it, but he's like, you know, the difference was we kept a lot of our, we kept the vast majority of our company through COVID. Uh-huh. And I think that reflects well on sort of the employee brand. And it's right. like we offer the way, the route for them to move up in their career. Because the guy I was speaking to who started as a bar, like a bartender in that place, and now is like an operations expert, you know? Okay. And so it's kind of interesting that you say the same thing because it's like, yeah, like you want to help people kind of fulfill that and move them on. Yeah, that's what I hear from customers a lot is when they go into our locations, they're very happy to see the same faces. Yeah. Uh, because that's, you know that's it's just comforting to know that you're going to go in and see the same bartender or the same manager or the same general manager and obviously that helps with every aspect of what we do that in terms of food quality in terms of customer service having the same people there because they understand how it works um so yeah retaining those employees is a huge part of what we do and one of the things when we have every eight weeks or so we have a new employee meeting we call it McNally's Group 101, just kind of an introduction Excellent. to the company. And one of the things I always talk about, we have a, you know, a few employees who started, started with us as 
uh, we have one a woman um, named Anne. She started with us as a host when she was 16. Um, you know, 11 years later, she's a general yeah. manager of one of our high-end restaurants. Um, so she discovered pretty young that she had, you know, liked being in this industry. And we yeah. found a way to keep her within the company and constantly promote her. We have another woman who started as a, she was a, a server, um, just working a few lunch shifts at a restaurant that was new at the time. Yeah. And early on, we realized, man, she's very good at what she does. And she had this kind of intangible customer service gene somehow. Um, I mean, it wasn't because she had grown up eating at a bunch of restaurants. Um, she just knew it. She understood customer service yeah. and how to interact with customers. So I want to say at the time she was 20. And now, you know, 12 years later, 13 years later, she um, oversees four restaurants. And That's amazing. As a partner in the company um and has equity so I mean, that's one thing i try to communicate to people is if you want to make this a career we have opportunities for advancement or if you just want to come and work a few lunch shifts that's great too you don't have to you know having that flexibility depending on what stage people are in their lives you know we have some moms who want to work you know during the middle part of the day because of yeah. where they are in their lives and where their how old their kids are so being able to offer that flexibility and i think is helpful too do you think, um, you know, you mentioned like that certain intangible and I'm so happy you said that because I, I, whenever that kind of comes up, I love like kind of understanding how you think about that because like to your exact point, like everyone, they like uh, the French call it like je ne sais quoi, you know, yeah. like what is that sort of like, you like I had somebody on recently and they were like, look, we can teach service. Like anybody can be taught like service, but like to your point about that intangible, what is it that yeah. is that genetic disposition to make somebody so great in hospitality, you know? I have a theory that if someone could, you know, do like a equivalent of like a Myers-Briggs for customer <laughs> service and understand what those, you know, emotional, I think it's a form of emotional intelligence that some people just have. They can yeah. immediately look, look at someone and know, up. Oh, they're happy or up, they're upset or up, they need help or, and they can navigate challenging situations with people with ease. And somehow they just understand it. And sometimes you see some employees like have, you can walk into a restaurant and immediately know it's not going well. And you look at the manager and go, how do they not see that it's, that it's burning down, you know? And <laughs> oh, it's fine. I'm like, I don't know if it is. Uh, so yeah, if someone could do that, they could make a lot of money to be able to give some kind of personality test to say that person's got this, this magical customer service gene that will make them really good at their jobs. But I've yet to discover it, but maybe through, through you're, this. You're not, I'll tell you this, someone you're not alone. <laughs> when they have it, obviously we go out our way to make sure we keep that, those people up to and including, you know, uh, having equity in the company. Yeah. So now the woman I talked about, she's very obviously invested long-term in, in ensuring that we succeed because she has a stake in what we do. Totally. And that's amazing that you, you offer that sort of like, I mean, I guess it's a benefit. I mean, in front of yeah. comments, because it's like, I guess if you start the job, you have an opportunity to get equity yeah. in the business. But to that exact point, I mean, like, you know, like these diamonds in the rough are so hard to find. So when you find one of them, it's like, how do you hold on to it? You know, and like those opportunities to like move up in the business. I honest to God, like every single person who has been on this podcast and every single person who's been on it is successful. 
says that. Like if you can give them the opportunities for growth in the organization, no one's going to leave as a GM. Like a great GM is not going to leave for another five grand to go somewhere else. Like right. if they have the opportunity to grow in a business, like they're going to jump ship if it's just like not good. Yeah, you know we, hear, we hear that a lot from people who yeah. come to join us. Is you know we uh, we don't we never poach anybody from another company. But if someone yeah. approaches, were to approach us, and you know, often what we hear is, you know, why do that that restaurant's doing well? They're what? Why do you want to come over? And it's often I want additional opportunities you know yeah uh, you know and that's what we've been able to do um, is continue to grow and in the past year we've opened let me think about this i was just going to ask you <laughs> uh, we've opened four new restaurants within like about six, uh, 14 16 to 16 months and those are challenging you know opening is not easy um and especially because we are not we haven't re replicated a lot of brands we've tended to do new brands yeah i see that and then we're going to find a few that we're ideally going to grow with in the future um but we're kind of just trying to one restaurant at a time make tulsa and oklahoma city and low rock you know more interesting places to live with by offering amenities that weren't there before to customers yeah no, that's unbelievable that's unreal and i mean like it is kind of like amazing how to that exact point as well you're saying like they're, they're not exactly replicable like all the they're all very different in what they are so you're essentially launching a new brand from like the get-go every single time right like when you think of like new store openings new restaurant openings or new bar openings, whatever phrase you want to use i use nso i seem to think that's like the phrase when you think about that like for you like what is like what is the biggest challenge of those is it like getting like the marketing to people to know that it exists right is it like you know getting staff in you mentioned like getting staff like in 2021 for new stores was like very challenging is like because presumably it's the same supplier of food so like mm -hmm. i imagine in that sense like you know the kind of food kind of thing well, like, there, our, most, uh, our most recent openings it's actually a joint location it's part a neighborhood pub and uh, the other part of it is an all-day bistro so they share a kitchen out, yeah. out on the sidewalk, they they are two separate restaurants to the customer, but uh, they are actually connected in the back. Yeah. Um, so one at the the pub is a you know a neighborhood pub with maybe fifty to 60, 70 seats in it. It's tiny. Which uh, pub is that now? Which one? It? It's called Bishop Quigley. Bishop. Uh, <laughs> we opened that. We opened that uh, right around Christmas. Um, that was relatively easy for us because we have three pubs that we've already done yeah so that wasn't particularly stressful also had a small menu with fish and chips a burger a, a ham and cheese toasty a soup so that was not particularly stressful and we could bring in employees from some of the pubs yeah to help out. the neighboring the i call it the sister restaurant maple ridge grocer on all day bistro that was a lot more challenging uh, because it was a First of all, an all-day restaurant, so breakfast through dinner. Oh, yeah, yeah. So just any time you're trying to do multiple day parts, it's just more challenging, right? And totally. So that's now that particular one's. It's it's third week of business, and uh, kind of I equate it to like we have an opening team there. That's like a the the metaphor I have is it's like getting an airplane up to cruising altitude, you know. So I'd say at this point. The team over there is like at twenty-five thousand feet. They're trying to get to thirty-five thousand. Yeah, ten more to go. Pilot, but uh, 
Yeah, it's just that that's you know it's new menu items that they're cooking, so that that can be hard. Yeah, uh, the marketing now it's 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 probably more challenging than it was historically because so much of it's done digitally. But the digital yeah. stuff, no one can really understand it. I mean, everyone says like when you talk to anyone in digital marketing space, they've got they've got it figured out, and you run an ad and they say it works really really well. But I look at the metrics, I'm like, I can't make sense of these metrics, but they're like, oh, it's a huge hit. You gotta trust us. So, well, as somebody who does this for a living, I can certainly have a chat with you offline about that and give you some real talk. But yeah. like, I totally get it. And I mean, like, but some brands do very well out of it. Like, I mean, like we've had like, well, the very first episode of the podcast we did was a company called Dave's Hot Chicken. And those mm -hmm. kids were kids. I mean, they're in their twenties, but they were in uh, LA and they had like a line around the block and they just went super viral on, TikTok very frequently and now all of a sudden there are 115 plus locations in like two years. I mean it's unbelievable. That kind of yeah. goes hard to comprehend. <laughs> unbelievable. Uh and I mean we've got more power to them. But like I think um you know it's interesting like I like I think when it comes to like to your exact point like the marketing but it's like it's so difficult and it's like what what's like almost like the ground game for it. You know, I mean, obviously, I could go off on an entire tangent with you on this, yeah. like separate to like everybody wanting to listen to you. Yeah. As a when I first started, it was much more, you know, 2008, 2009, even into 2010, it was much more traditional advertising. There yeah. were a few publications in town um, that we would advertise through. Um, you know, the newspaper was a bigger, that was a big part of it at the time, plus some smaller kind of, you know, it's called the, like it was a, a free weekly that kind of yeah. was circling around. Uh, Facebook was just kind of coming yeah, on. Facebook pages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Facebook obviously has changed significantly over the years. And now Instagram's a, probably a bigger part of what we do. But the marketing, yeah. is, that's, I talked to guys from the, who are 20 years older than myself. And they you know, said so when they opened restaurants in the eighties, it was just so much easier than now. In terms of marketing, they would just if you had a good a good product and a decent location, you could pretty much guarantee your success. Yeah, well, you know what's funny? I, I heard an interview. I heard somebody talk about like say like even in music, like some like Radiohead, for example. It's like, could you imagine them being on TikTok when yeah. they were like up and coming? It's like no, it's like obviously they would be. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like how that kind of stuff has kind of changed. Yeah, so we we dealt into TikTok a little bit, and that's. I mean, I feel like that's so out of my element, but. We have okay. to understand that a lot of people, you know, a lot of our audience is using TikTok. Yeah. Uh, so that's a that's a challenge, definitely. So if I have some of my, you know, my social social media team um, involved in that, and they keep me, I, I try to understand all aspects of it, but I have to be know that when I'm in over my head, and sometimes I yeah. feel like in that space it can be. Yeah, I mean, that's why I got bags under my eyes because I constantly have to figure out all this stuff every day and people have to ask me about it. But uh, do you know what I will say, Jim, as well? Like, you know, as my parting last word, because we're coming up on time here because I know we're over time, is that the pint of Guinness on your website yeah. uh, looks fantastic. And let me tell yeah, you, I, I can get to see if we, uh, we definitely pour. A really good pint of Guinness. Um, yeah. Elsewhere, I'll just give you quickly. The company came about because my business partner studied, yeah. uh, went to Notre Dame, studied abroad in Dublin, fell in love with pub culture, decided to come back and do a business plan for opening a pub in his hometown. And because he was like, "Why is the downtown not 
have a better pub. And that was the genesis of the company. So uh, having pouring a good pint is a you know, kind of one of a, a, a very important thing for us, um, especially if you're bartenders at um, any of our pubs to make sure you pour a proper pint. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I will go out of my way to come and either watch OKC, the Thunder, even though I don't like them as a team, you know, but I want to see is Papa, who, who's the coach of the team again. Like uh, I, say, I, was like, oh. Oh, shoot. I can't think of his name. It's not Popovich. Popovich it's, is it's the, another guy who's been there for a while, isn't it? Um, yeah, he's been there. I can't think of his name. But yeah, but just, having a good season. So it's that's nice. That's good for our place <laughs> in Oklahoma City. But I was like, I'll fill like any reason, any excuse to come and try out a pint of Guinness over there because yeah. I have the highways and byways of American pints of Guinness. Yeah. Let me tell you. I'm sure you've met some ones that were not far between. No, uh, we like we uh we go out of our way to ensure. I, I imagine we probably in the state of Oklahoma. I, I don't think anyone pours more Guinness than we do, so it's always fresh. That's a hot tip. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Uh, well, Jim, thanks so much.